Hello again. Welcome to Kickoff Labs on Growth. I'm Josh Ledgard, and I'm one of the founders at Kickoff Labs. I started this podcast to share stories of both personal and business growth. In this interview with Amin Asser, we'd cover both of those things as he walks us through the launch and growth of NorKids. He's a great storyteller, and I enjoyed the conversation, so we let this recording go a little longer than usual. It's totally worth it, and I know you'll learn a lot. If you do enjoy, don't forget to subscribe to the On Growth podcast. Tell a friend about us and send any feedback you have to josh at kickofflabs.com. Hi, everyone. Today, uh, we are talking to Amin Asir from NorKids, and uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Amin has been a customer of Kickoff Labs for a while. They've run several successful campaigns, uh, which we'll talk about throughout the conversation. To get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your personal background leading up to starting NorKids as a company? Sure, I'll be happy to. And Josh, I'm really excited to uh, have this conversation too. And I'm also excited to learn more about you and about Kickoff Labs behind the scenes because we uh, we we really like your piece of software. And you know, actually, I talk about it a lot. I like recorded like a testimonial video on YouTube about it. I, I really like the work that you guys do. So I'm excited to learn more behind the scenes. So enough about you. Um, let me tell you about me. So my name is Amin Asser. I'm from the Minneapolis, Minnesota area, so born and raised. I um, went to the University of Minnesota, and uh, after that, I, I worked at a bunch of companies in Minneapolis. A lot of people don't realize this, but man, Minneapolis, um, we like to say that we have more Fortune 500 companies per capita, so like as a you know function of the size of the state than any other state in the country. So I worked at 3M, at General Mills, at Target Corporation, at Cargill, in a number of different capacities. Now, before doing more kids, I used to do what's called mergers and acquisitions. So I used to help buy and sell companies for General Mills. And this was back in 2012. Now, at the time, my older brother, Muhammad, he was a, um, an MBA student at Harvard University. And, you know, as a part of their MBA program, they say, hey, look, you know, solve a problem that you're passionate about. It doesn't matter what the problem is, but find a problem that you're genuinely passionate about and try to solve it. Mm-hmm. And for my brother and I, the, the problem that we thought about was one that we had, you know, as kids. It was related to religious identity. So Josh, for example, I used to love playing baseball. My mom, should come, she'd sit in the stands and she would cheer. But I remember when I was in middle school, kids would start to tease her. They'd make fun of my mom because of her headscarf. And as a kid, I didn't know what to do. I began telling my mom to pick me up 15 minutes after my baseball games were finished because I didn't want anyone to see my mom. I didn't want anyone to know that I was Muslim. I wanted to fit in. So that's the problem we wanted to solve. We wanted to figure out how do we help Muslim children build confidence in their religious identity, especially because of, you know, the world that they're growing up in. And, you know, won't talk too much more about that. So it's not political or anything like that, but it's a tough environment for them, right? Yeah. So we, we looked at this and we had a lot of resources at our, uh, at our disposal at Harvard University. So we started like trying to tackle the problem from a academic lens. How there's a Jewish community, there's a black community, there's a Latino community, there's girls, there's a lot of communities that have experienced difficulties in the past. And there's a lot of research that exists. So we thought to ourselves, hey, what can we learn from the world of academic literature related to self-esteem and education to help raise confident kids? And um, we used that and we decided to create a subscription-based children's book series. Now, again, we didn't really think much of it, but in 2012, when my brother was a student, we entered into like the entrepreneurship business plan competition. And out of over like a hundred ideas, we ended up winning. Wow. And we thought to ourselves, whoa, like, you know, we were just trying to solve a problem, one that we care about. But if Harvard thinks this is like good, then it's probably a good idea. Like, let's run with it. So, um, so did you quit your job the next day or? Um, how did yeah, you that's exactly what I did. No, I did not quit my job the next day. Um, so, so, so here's what happened, right? Now, again, you know, people, people create their organizations for different reasons. And for me, it was about impact. It was about solving this problem. 
And truthfully, you know, when you look at a community, you look at the market size and the market size of Muslims in America is frankly not that big. So this was a passion project. So in the same way that people like volunteer at their Sunday school, this was kind of our voluntary effort. Like I would do M&A like between nine to five. And then like at night, like I would uh, write children's books. And it was so cool because that was before I was married, before I met my wife. And I remember when I'd meet people, like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm an M&A guy by day and I'm a children's book writer by night. It worked, dude. It really <laughs> was. People really liked it. I, but this is before all the online stuff. I, anyways, all right. So you were writing, so you started out, you were writing the books yourself. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember going to the library on like weekends and I, I tackled it with the same kind of like perspective. I tackle everything. So I was like, all right, well, let me just like talk to librarian get like the list of like the hundred best children's books like that she recommends. Uh, our librarian was what, what, what was a lady. And I basically checked them out. And then what I would do is I would read them and then I'd like jot down best practice. I'm like, oh, look at the color scheme that they're using. I'm like, oh, look at, look at the rhyming. I'm like, oh, like look at the page count or uh, look at the word count and look at the font size. And I tried to learn as much as possible by just like seeing, you know, what was the best. It's kind of like what you would do with, you know, when you're starting a company. And of course, we took a really iterative approach. So we would create one book and then share it with like the subscribers. And then they'd be like, yeah, this book is not very good. And I'd be like, all right, all right, well, how do we make it better? And so we'd get their feedback and we'd improve. And, and now- so, so back, back, up a, back up a second for yeah. uh, um, I had a couple of questions I wanted to follow up on. So first, you know, on, on the writing of books, I think that's a, a great strategy that you took just to go like to the library and recommend like, you know, sort of the best books. It's similar to what- you know, I, we tell people all the time, if they're building like a sales page, it's like, well, you look at larger companies, like look at the Amazon, standard Amazon sales page. Like they have studied the heck out of that thing. Right. And they know what works and what doesn't work. And like, think about those sort of best practices. So I think it's great. You were doing that for your real product. Like you basically said, like, show me the hundred best products out there <laughs> um, for the book. And then you were looking at like what, you know, what patterns you saw that you could, uh, you could identify. So you start writing these books did you get a subscriber first or did you have a book first? Yeah. I mean, like, isn't the normal like ideas that you like, you just build it and people come, right? That's, that's, that's kind of just how it works. <laughs> so uh, no, of course I'm kidding. The whole idea, right. Is you come up with a hypothesis and you're like, how do I test this as quickly as possible? Right. Yeah. And you do that without creating a product. And, and I think kickoff Labs is probably a good, good tool to use. We didn't use kickoff labs at the time. What we did is we created a survey and we said, hey, look, we're creating a Muslim children's magazine. And we said, look, um, we're going to give you your first copy for free. But what we want you to do is we want you to give us advice. I'm like, what would you want? It was like a 10-minute survey. And we like put maybe, I want to say $100 or $150 in advertising on Facebook ads behind it. Again, this was in 2012. So this... It feels like 2012 was not that long ago, but with respect to Facebook ads, this was like a century ago, right? Because $150 (laughs) in Facebook ads today would get you like a click, I feel like. I mean, more than that. But we got something like 2,000 people to like give us feedback and it got shared. And like, I was like, holy cannoli, this is nuts. Like, it was really, really special. And, And at that time, you have to understand also for a niche population like Muslims, Ain't nobody doing nothing for Muslims at that time. So people were like, what? Like, this is something for us? And they, they would mm-hmm. share it. And it was, it was pretty extraordinary. But we ended up using that as our kind of initial starting point to get a sense of, hey, what do we need to do? How are we going to do it? We actually created a, um, this was before Facebook group. So there was like another like offline channel where we created basically a Facebook group with 50 of these parents to like get feedback on, you know, the characters and the storylines and the problems that we wanted to solve. And I mean, I'll give you one example, right? So Muslims are really diverse, right? They are Nigerian, they're Pakistani, they're Egyptian, they're, uh, you know, from Qatar, they're, ten, they're from Tanzania, they're from Singapore, they're from Chicago, they're from Canada, like they're super diverse. Mm-hmm. And one of the principles that we learned in school was, hey, you know, in order to build confidence in the identity of a child, they have to have relatable role models, role models that look like them. How are we going to do that given like how diverse they are? And so this group, which was really diverse, 
you know, first we had like a black and a white and kind of like different characters. And we thought, no, you know what? What if we made them animals? Because animals don't have, you know, ethnicity. And that's how we kind of solved that problem. And we did that, for example, through this group. So uh, it was a blessing. We ended up creating it. And um, uh, yeah, man, this is before lead pages. This is before kickoff yep. labs. This is before oh. Shopify. This is before all of that. So we we created a custom landing page like with a little timer on it and like social proof and like everything on one page. And um, those first hundred customers were the most difficult customers to get. And um, that was a huge, huge, it felt like a, just an incredible undertaking. Um, but um, so what are the, some of the things you did to get those first? I mean, obviously you'd built some relationships um, because you sent out the survey, you had a list of people that had felt the survey, you had this Facebook group of sort of closer VIPs that you were building a relationship with, getting feedback from. How did you start turning that into the first hundred customers? I mean, people ask us this all the time, so I always want to hear everybody's answer. Look, man, I think this is a great question, and I um, I want to try to sound uh, smarter than it actually was because, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yep. So, so Josh, I would say there were three key things that we did to uh, get our first hundred customers. The first critical thing that we did is we set up what are called lemonade stands. This meant actually like setting up a little table. And going to, you know, places where our customers were. For us, it's mosques, right? Mosques is a Muslim version of like a church. Yep. So we literally went to mosques in Minnesota, set it up. We had, <laughs> we had in a binder like a kind of MVP of what the magazine would look like. And we had a little iPad. And, um, you know, back then, if you had an iPad, they're like, whoa, this is pretty sweet, you know? And, and we're <laughs> these like, these guys mean business. <laughs> yeah, these guys are serious. <laughs> so, so that's what we did. So, so we set up lemonade stands. We got our, our, our hands dirty. Frankly, I think that's critical. And not only is that important to get your first 100 sales, you learn so fast uh, when you do a lemonade stand because this is, hey, I'm going to test my messaging with you. Newark yep. Kids is no longer a magazine. Far from it. We are what's called a character building program. So Newark Kids today, if you go on our website, our messaging is like very, very, very different. And it's because of, you know, those types of lemonade types, uh, stand types of experiencing and basically testing like, hey, if a customer comes and if I tell them this, are they going to buy? Well, let me try telling them something else. And if they buy then, then it makes me feel like, hey, maybe this messaging matters. All right. So that was one. The second thing that we did is we created and iterated and iterated and iterated and iterated on our landing page. If I remember it correctly, our landing page, it was one page. Our website at that time was one page. On that one page, we had a sample that someone could kind of click through to take a look at. Mm -hmm. We had a, a part that said, hey, look, what are we doing? So what is the problem that we're solving? What is the value that you're going to get? We had a about us where we had a really good, wholesome picture of my brother and I and a story about who we were. We had a countdown timer that said, hey, look, you can, you know, get this and get a good deal on it for, you know, this amount of time. And what we would literally have to do, Josh, it's so funny because today with countdown timers, you can make them evergreen. So it's like mm -hmm. every day. We literally had to log in every morning and <laughs> reset it. That's what we did. <laughs> um, and then we had a chat box. That chat box, this was 2012. This is before like, you know, Messenger was like a big thing. Yeah, we had a chat box on there. That chat box was huge. Um, and then the other thing that we had on there is we had logos of companies. And it's funny because um, a lot of those things are the same things that we have today on our website, but just a little bit different. Um, and I, I do believe our website's quite high converting. And then, so, so, th so those are two things I talked about. I, I talked about lemonade stands. I talked about having a high converting website. And the third thing is, is really benefiting from word of mouth, especially early on. Uh, through friends and family and anyone who's connected with you. So yep. yeah, uh, we did reach out to friends and family. We did have them be the first people who bought. And we asked them to tell their friends. We gave them, you know, emails that they could forward. This was before WhatsApp existed. This was, I mean, Facebook existed at the time, but, um, you know, we, we did that. Of course, having a, a group of 50 parents, like I mentioned to you before, each one of those parents who helped us create this work were bought into what we did. 
And so each of those people were really proud when our first book actually came out and, you know, their names were in it. And those people were some of the people who helped, you know, hold our banner, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we started. So those are three, I think, very practical ways to uh, get your first hundred customers. Yeah, I think those are, I think those are great examples. I mean, there's, I can see some similar things for what we did and what I hear from other people all the time. I mean, some of the uh, specifically like going o- a little bit over and above for your first, uh, the first 50 customers, they're going to help spread the word. I mean, we literally like on our side, like we, as before we hit a hundred customers, like anybody who actually came in and created a campaign in kickoff labs, like we would reach out personally and say, Hey, here's some tips for you to do. And then if they were paying us and they said, Hey, I'd love, I wish you guys had this feature. We just built it. We're just like, I don't care if we're going to keep the feature long-term, but we're just going to build it for them. Like, <laughs> and just make them thrill. And then people would be like, Oh my gosh, these guys just built something for us in real time. Like they wanted, you know, we wanted this thing and now we have it um, and we can use it on our campaign. Getting the names of the people in the first 50 in the books that had to have made them like extremely loyal um, and willing to spread the word for you guys. Yeah, man. It's, um, customer relationships is a huge deal. It is uh, a really big deal that I take very seriously. And even, even to this date, Josh, we, we spend a insignificant amount on ads. Um, Mm -hmm. Even to this day, even though, you know, I talk about Facebook ads, I don't like Facebook ads. I mean, um, we, we only use them when we absolutely need to you know, the overwhelming majority line share, something like 90% of our sales come through referrals. Mm -hmm. And um, that is all about nurturing customers, loving our customers, treating them like family. We literally call them our family. And even for me, like, I got to tell you, right, I told you a little bit about the story of Nora Kids. I mean, the story didn't end there, right? You know, so, so, so we ended up creating this 2012. This was a passion project. Again, had no intent for this to be, you know, what, what I worked on. And in 2014, I went to business school at, at UC Berkeley. Again, had no intention to work on newer kids full-time. At the time, I was looking into Khan Academy. I was looking into other kind of venture capital types. So you guys of are things. still slowly, slowly building the business at this time when you decide to go to business Josh, school. I wouldn't even call it a business. This was a passion project, right? Okay. This was like our way to like leave a legacy on earth. Mm-hmm. This was kind of just a, a way to serve. And... I mean, we were never making enough money to like, you know, actually make it work. This was just finance out of our own pockets. Well, what happened was that in 2015, when I was one year into my MBA program, my mom, Shaheen, at 52 years old, passed away. And that was a really important moment for me. Um, Because for the first time in my life, Josh, I came to terms with the fact that, look, I'm going to die. And that might mm-hmm. sound morbid, and that's probably not what people would expect on like on growth podcast around like business growth. But I'll tell you, man, there's nothing in my life that gave me more meaning, that made me think more about how do I want to spend my time than realizing that I'm going to expire someday. And I think as a young person, it's not something that you really think about very often. Perhaps people are meditating on it more during COVID. And I think that's powerful. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And I know for me, that made me rethink my priorities. I remember going to my wife, Sana, at the time. And I said, Sana, you know, after business school, we have a real opportunity to, you know, think about what we want to do next. This is like generally an inflection point in most people's career of, hey, you know, they're going to switch. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a presidential election in 2016. Um, I had a wife that was really supportive and continues to be very supportive. I had the kind of inspiration of my mom. And I thought to myself, look, I want to leave my legacy. So in 2016, when I finished graduate school in October, I decided to work on newer kids full time. Josh, at that time, I paid myself $12,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That is very little. Um, yeah, especially if you were, you were used to living in California. No, I moved back to Minnesota. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. You can't, I don't think you can afford a parking spot for that much. Um, by yeah. the way, Josh, where do you guys live? Uh, we're scattered. So I live in Seattle. I've lived here for, um, about 20 years now. And, nice. uh, Scott lives in New Jersey, um, people in Dallas, uh, people kind of s- uh, scattered all over the country, by the way, totally appropriate for the, the on growth podcast. So I chose the name, not because I, I cared as, as deeply about business growth and talking about that, but because I wanted to talk about like people's journeys as like they're evolving into the business and like growing as people. And so like, 
uh, your whole story just fit right in with like what I was hoping to get out of a lot of interviews. Uh, Great. So, so now that you said that, let's transition into marriage. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> but so, um, so long story short, right? You know, we, um, you know, when 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 we started this effort, it was really around, hey, how do we solve this problem in the very best way that we can? How do we use, you know, the most efficient way possible? And today, you know, our work from Maple Grove, Minnesota, we are publishing one of the world's most uh, widespread tools for Islamic education. So, um, you know, we, we, we have our work in places like India and Pakistan and Qatar and Singapore and Saudi Arabia and Malaysia and Indonesia. And I would have never thought in the world uh, that our work would make it so far and wide. And um, it's, it's, it's a real honor to, I think, have um, helped create this uh, legacy and, um, and this impact. So when you said 2016 and you paid yourself $12,000, that's the moment where you said uh, you were doing this then full-time that year for the first year. In October of 2016, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that had to be scary, right? To all of a sudden say, I'm going to pay myself $12,000. I imagine that's less than you were making doing M&A. General Mills actually doesn't pay that well. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so General Mills is a excellent company, freaking awesome company. I love that company. But yeah, of course it was less. And uh, it was very difficult. And even to this day, you know, there's, there, you know, the fear of missing out is, is real, right? Sometimes you wonder like, hey, you know, if I would have done this, you know, where would I have been at? And, you know, sometimes yeah, you're yeah. on LinkedIn and you're like, oh, so he's there now. Okay. And, and I think um, what's really valuable is, um, you know, before you do any decision, you think about, well, what, what are you trying to maximize here? Like, what is the rationale for your decision-making? And for me, the rationale for my decision-making was always around impact to say, hey, what decision am I going to make that's going to have the most potential impact? And there is no doubt in my mind that the decision that we made, uh, that I made in 2016 and um, the help that we've gotten along the way with respect to people and team and and good fortune um, has allowed us to, to 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 leave an incredible impact. But to that question, yeah, it was very difficult. Now, now, what made it easy? What made it easy was was probably three things. Number one was, and uh, this sounds very uh, so, so. Number one was the fact that I had a supportive family. When I was in Berkeley, one of the things that was interesting, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, a lot of founders come from from like wealth, right? Because, you know, that child is able to say, hey, you know what, if I fail, I still have my dad to support me. Yep. Um, Well, um, my mom passed away. And in my culture, um, it's my obligation to take care of my dad. So as it turned out, my wife and I actually moved in with my dad. Um, Not in kind of like, you know, in in our culture, it's kind of like, oh man, you moved in with your dad? You're you're 30 something years old. That's awkward. Yeah. for me, that's not awkward. That's the expectation, right? My dad's alone. I want him to be a part of my life. And so, um, you know, as a result of that, um, what, in, in being able to provide that kind of honorable role for, for, for my family, um, I also didn't have to pay for rent, right? So that was a huge form of support for me yeah. that uh, I didn't have to worry about. So that was one. Um, number two is I, I thought to myself, look, I'm going to give myself a date. I'm going to give myself two years. Yep. If in two years I'm not able to make this viable, then I owe it to my family. I owe it to my wife. I owe it to my future children to kind of take a different route. Uh, and then number three, um, I thought to myself, look, what's the worst case scenario? Say, for example, I crash and burn. Am I you know, going to be out? No, I'm not. What I believe now more than ever is that I used to recruit at General Mills. I was actually part of the recruiting team. I led diversity recruiting. And I'll tell you something, the most important skill I used to look for was someone who had an entrepreneurial spirit. And I think now more than ever, people are looking for that. So I thought to myself, look, if I crash and burn, I'll go back to to General Mills and I'll knock on their door, someone else's door in 3M and say, hey, look, you know, I've come a long way. Why don't you take me back? I can add value. Uh, which, by the way, Josh, I said a lot of wonderful things about General Mills in this interview. Still hedging my bets, man. Still hedging my bets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think we all do. As like entrepreneurs, there's that. There's always that feeling in the back of your head. Like I look at my job and my role, and I say, "Boy, I'm 
I'm really I'm decent at a whole lot of things, but I'm really good at nothing at this point because I have to put my hands into every part of the business. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I qualified to do if I had to leave the business? And part of me thinks I'm not qualified for anything really. <laughs> no, man. I, but, it's, it's interesting that you say that, but it's, so number one, when you say you're not like qualified, you know, compared to other people or whatever, uh, don't cut yourself short because frankly, in my experience, even the like scratching the surface of things I've learned about, you know, everything from customer service software to like marketing automation to like fulfillment management and warehouse and supply chain is way far and beyond, you know, what other people have done. But I'll tell you something else, man. There's a lot of things that can be learned, right? I told you when we started this, I didn't know anything about writing books. I went to the library, I figured it out, right? Mm-hmm. But what you can't teach is that spirit, Yep. right? You can't teach that, hey, you know what? I've got a problem. Let me go to the library and solve it. No, you can't teach that. And that, that's the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think that's why it's such a incredible and an important skill set that I, I really do believe that uh, for listeners who are kind of thinking about, you know, uh, thinking about that. Of course, we didn't decide to go all in on day one, right? This was yep. four years after we had kind of started. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 that, I hope that that's, uh, some inspiration to say, dude, just go for it. No, that's, uh, I think that's absolutely true. Tell me about, uh, any failures you've had getting to this point. I mean, I also want to highlight, like I, I was checking out your website, uh, before this and, you know, you talked about like still having some of those practices. I mean, not only do you guys have a subscription, it looked like you guys are running, we're running a summer camp over the summer. Like you guys have expanded beyond just the books. You've got online classes, is that yeah. correct? Am I reading this right on the on the website? Yeah, yeah, you are right. So, so a number of things. Uh, I would say a number of things. So, uh, so, so you asked me two questions. The first yeah, question. I, sorry, I, I jumbled those questions together. The first question was like, did you have any failures? And the second point is like, I was just kind of amazed because you must have tried out a lot of things to have these things that you're offering now. And so I'm sure some of the things you tried out didn't work. So the questions were kind of related, just maybe poorly. Yeah. So 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 I want to first talk about failure, and then I want to talk about kind of iteration and, and kind of where we're at as an organization. With respect to failure, I would say for me, uh, there were there were two glaring kind of failures that uh, I, I feel like we had. The first failure is, um, look, you know, when you do a subscription, you owe something to your uh, families. And what we, you know, promise is that every month families will receive a new book delivered in their in the mail. And and by the way, that is a significant undertaking. We have a team of fifteen people who help, you know, make that happen. And in in each subject matter experts, you know, anything about for every book, we do a lot of research. We do a lot of plot development. We have to do manuscript writing. We have to do you know art direction. We have to do illustration. We have to do editing. Like there's a lot of steps involved. And every month we're putting out a brand new book and, and our books stand toe-to-toe with anything out there like they are excellent extraordinary mm-hmm. and if any of the people who are watching have a inclination towards character things like gratitude honesty patience so on and so forth man i tell you josh like this is much better than veggie tales i love veggie tales man um and um anyway so i i share that to say i'm, I'm very proud of, of the work that we do we haven't always been able to make that commitment you know, last year, for example, or two years ago, there was a situation where over the course of 12 months, we actually only put out nine books. Um, now, of course, you know, with respect to customers, we made sure not to overcharge them. People got the appropriate amount. Everyone still got 12 books, so on and so forth. But uh, that hurts. And I remember uh, there was somebody who like wrote on a Facebook group. And today, Facebook groups make a huge role. And, you know, when you mm-hmm. think about a niche community like Muslims, this was a Facebook group of Muslim moms and like this mom and there was like 30,000 parents in there. She's like, Hey, have any of you guys had issues with newer kids and like getting the book? And I remember seeing that and Josh, your your heart stops for a second, dude. I think mine stopped for like 10 seconds, like straight up. Like I was like, Oh my goodness. I remember my friend Ali, his dad was in the hospital at the time. And I was like, and and I, I, it was like the level of stress that I had was so high. And I thought to myself, look, man, in this situation, what can I do? 
I, I, I did two, I did two things. The first thing I did is I looked up her name on her customer list and I gave her a call and I was like, Hey, my name's me. Nice to talk to you. Heard you're having some issues. What can I do for you? Right. So, so of course I, I, I called her up, but as a team, man, I took a screenshot out of it and I scheduled a team meeting and I said, you guys, we are so freaking fortunate that we even have the ability to make this our day job. Like, gosh, mm-hmm. like what an honor, what a privilege that we have. Mm-hmm. This is our kick in the butt to say never again. We can't let this happen again. And, you know, that's when even as an organization, we kind of shifted from startup like, oh man, I'm doing everything to like, you know, we need formal processes and procedures and like, you know, gates and on a monthly basis, we need a rhythm. And that I think was a real inflection point for our organization. So those were, I think, two of the ways that I responded to that specific situation, which I I felt was a failure. The second failure that that we had, Josh, and that kind of led to our innovation was with respect to market size. The Muslim community in the United States of America is not that big. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I started NorKids, I thought it was actually even bigger than what it actually is, right? And you have to understand, so, okay, so let's just do the quick math. I believe today there is about three and a half million Muslims in the United States of America and one million Muslims in Canada, right? So we service the U.S. and Canada. So that's about five million Muslims. All right, so let's just do the math. Five million Muslims and of which um, we'll say the average you know, household has three people in it. So five million divided by, let's, say, let's use six million because it's easier. So we'll say yeah. six million divided by three, that means two million households. Yep. Of those 2 million households, let's assume 25% have kids under the age of eight. So, um, that, 25 that seems a little high, right? Do you think that's uh, but we go, go with it. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so of 2 million, right now, you know, a quarter of that is 500,000. Now, yep. of those 500,000, we assume that 70. 5% of them actually like care about religion, right? Or I shouldn't say they care about religion, but they like hold religion as something that like they're deeply interested in. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's some Pew research that, that, that relates to that. So now, you know, we, we take out another 25%. So um, that would be uh, 50, 100, 125. So that's like 375,000 families left. Uh, now, of those 375,000 families, you know, how many of them can actually even afford our work, right? And our work is not uh, expensive. It's very accessible. We've done that on purpose. But, you know, there, th- th- there's a reality of that. So then we're like, all right, well, you know, now we're at about, you know, maybe 300,000 families. So now I am dedicating my life and, you know, the life of uh, all of my team members to get this three, these 300,000 families. Now, when I was at General Mills, you know, you think about something like Cheerios. Yep. And you're like, dude, everyone's got Cheerios or everyone knows what Cheerios is. But let yeah. me tell you something. Not everyone has Cheerios in their house. They just don't. Yeah. They just don't. They see it and they're like, well, I don't even want cereal. I don't need it. Right? So just because there's, you know, potentially 300,000 families that we can service, even if everyone knows about it, that doesn't mean that it's going to be in everyone's house. And, you know, I'm proud to say that today, I mean, we, we've been able to create a, a, a significant dent in, you know, in terms of like the quote unquote market share, but it's just not that big. Yep. And I'll tell you, when, when I started in 2016, I told myself, look, I need to get to 10,000 subscribers by the next year. In the next year, I need to get 10,000. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be so easy. We're providing such a great value. Like people are going to get it. I think in the next year, we were at like 2000. Yeah. And I was like just depressed. And I said, well, I have one more year to do this. I'm going to do it more. Again, the next year gave it everything I got everything I had. I mean, put all of the things that I've learned throughout my entire life through it at this market. And again, the growth was relatively low or it didn't meet that expectation. And Josh, I got to tell you, man, that hurt. I was like, gosh, like, and it made me feel like a failure. I was like, God, like, is, so do I do this? And in, in, when we started this, I said, look, you know, in 2016, I gave myself two years. And so I remember in 2018, I was like, gosh, man, what, what should I do? And, and by the way, I have to add one more thing. Of those customers, I don't know, Josh, if you get customer service emails, dude, customer service emails can be really tough. Yeah. Heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching. Like, 
people will say mean stuff over email. And I'm like, yo, this book was $6.99. I'll give you a refund. Like, you don't need to talk to me about the hereafter and like what God's going to do to me. Like, just chill. Come on, man. Right? Like, I'll be honest. I don't think anyone's actually done that. But like, people take it super serious. And I'm like, all right, dude, don't worry. I'll just give you a refund. It's all right. I always just assume because, you know, I think anybody who has a large enough market gets those uh, those kind of emails. And I always just kind of assume it's like, you know, they've probably been treated so badly by other companies that they go into emailing with the assumption that like the world is against them or maybe that's their mindset in some ways. And they just and they just take it out because they're just like, I don't want to like have this hassle. And they're like, I need my six ninety nine, And because we get the same similar sort of things back, like... I don't know, man. I I don't know. I like, honestly, like me and my team, we talk about it once in a while, but the biggest thing though, Josh, in that conversation is, and the thing that I know about newer kids. And I, I think what you know about kickoff labs, dude, Josh, I love kickoff lab. I freaking love it. Like so much so that like I've created reviews on YouTube about it. Like I love it. And with newer kids and my product, uh, man, I have met the families. And now we've been doing it long enough that I have met like these teenagers who've talked about how it has literally transformed their lives and their understanding of who they are and what it means to be a Muslim such that they can be proud of who they are, right? And so like, I, you know, you have to remind yourself of those things because yep. I think those are valuable. And so anyways, yep. in 2018 or in, um, you know, 2018, two years after 2016, when I was kind of looking at this situation, I said, look, man, this market is just not big enough. We're doing a good job. We, you know, with our marketing, there's nothing that I would do differently. We're doing mm-hmm. all the right things. Our marketing is exceedingly successful. The fact of the matter is this market is not big enough. Mm-hmm. So what that meant was, okay, number one, we have to think about international. And yes, this year in March, and we didn't plan for it, but in March, like as COVID was happening, we actually were able to launch North Kids internationally. And of course, the population of Muslims outside of the U.S. and Canada is, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a religion of over a billion people, right? So it's a huge market uh, internationally. Um, number one. And then number two, uh, one of the things that we recognized was, you know, I, I, I like to think I'm animated in this podcast. One of the reasons why is because I'm a professional storyteller. Like I, I, like I actually ended up in Berkeley, you know, after spending time at the library, learning on the tu- under the tutelage of someone named Irina Isaacson, who's a master storyteller. And I spent two years with her to myself become a master storyteller. And so um, what we've done is we've created a companion to our, our book. So in addition to our children's book, every month that you get, every week we do a online class um, and we have children from all around the world who join and, and, and we make it interactive and it's been a lot of fun. And, and that's completely opened up an entirely new way to add value and, and also you know, generate sustainable financial returns. That way we can continue investing. Yep. There's a third thing that's in the pipeline. It's pretty cool, Josh. I'll just give a quick whisper about it. Uh, and that's Netflix. Um, so, uh, you know, we're not completely there yet. And uh, I don't want to oversell, uh, but we're working on an animated series. And um, we're really excited about it because if, you know, VeggieTales has been successful, which it has been, and, you know, other works within the Jewish community and the Hindu community have been successful, there's no reason why Amin Shirinasa and Amira, the four characters within Noor Kids, can um, help Muslim children across the world um, benefit through an animated series. So these are some of the ways that we've kind of iterated and are growing. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's impressive. So you would say like a big inflection point for you is re- the recognition then that like sometimes you're going after not the wrong market, but maybe even just not thinking about the market as broadly as you could have been. Because you're going after the right market, but you like expanding it internationally is saying like, you know what, we need to think bigger. Like we're not just about North America. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. Yes, uh, I would say that. However, what I would tell you and, and what I tell entrepreneurs through my learning experiences, the number one decision you make is what problem you're solving and for who. Because like once that ship has set sail, it is very difficult for that ship to change course. Yep. Um, because you know, five degrees being off at the outset may not feel like a lot, but once you've been in it for two, three, four years, it's tough to change. Yep. I'll tell you something, even now today, Josh, 
NorKids is not like exceedingly profitable, right? Like we are, um, you know, paying ourselves and we've got a great team and we invest mm-hmm. into a lot of innovation. And basically what that means is, yeah, we're still going to continue doing this. But if the market size isn't big enough, well, that means that we're going to have to transition into, you know, taking charitable contributions and, mm-hmm. and, and, and focusing on that. And that's okay, right? But if someone is starting, you know, when I used to do venture capital, one of the first pages that you look at is how big is the market size? If that market size, if that opportunity is not huge, and again, huge is a relative term and you can define it how you, how you do, 350,000 is not huge. Yeah. Uh, that, is, that is very niche. And um, you have to make sure that you kind of get everything right in order to be able to survive on that, right? So yes, at the outset, make sure that you're solving a big problem. And for a lot of people. Yeah. So you've teased it a couple of times, uh, the usage of uh, Kickoff Labs and, and that, you, uh, that you like the product. Can you give us an idea of how you guys have used Kickoff Labs? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned these online programs that we do and how that was a key part of our work. Now, these online programs are valuable for two reasons. They're valuable because number one, we're offering just incredible value to families. But from a organizational lens, this is basically us doing a product demo, right? So when you think about a subscription product, one of the ways that you sell a subscription product is by doing a demonstration, right? You say, hey, look, this is how it works. Join me in this webinar, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, for kids, we're not going to say, hey, join me in this webinar where I'm going <laughs> to talk about you know, books. No, like we're actually going to do a story time program. And if you like it, I'm going to give you an irresistible offer for you to benefit. For us, that irresistible offer is to try for 99 cents. And you can do that. So... You know how, and again, I, I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive to the audience as well, right? So in the Christian community on Sundays, oftentimes you'd go for service or mass or mm-hmm. um, in the Jewish community, oftentimes on Saturdays, it's the Sabbath. So perhaps you might attend a synagogue. For Muslims, it's on Friday. It's, uh, you do something called a Juma khutbah, right? And you go to the mosque and you listen to a khutbah. Now, generally, a khutbah is something that is a little bit boring, uh, I shouldn't say that. Sorry. I should not say that. It's not, it's delivered for an adult audience is what I should say. Yeah. It's delivered for an adult audience. So if you're a child listening, you might kind of get lost or you might not enjoy it. Okay. So we thought to ourselves, what if we create a kid's chutbah, but do that on Thursday nights? And what we do is we'd invite kids from around the world to be able to join. We'll have this live program. And what would a kid's chutbah be? Well, it, would, it wouldn't just be a lecture. It would be stories. It would be activities. It'd be silly dad jokes. It'd be hands-on experiments. Like, this would be fun. Uh, so that's exactly what we did. And uh, we use it as a lead magnet, right? So what we would do is we'd say, hey, look, you can join. You can join for free. Uh, mm-hmm. All we ask is you put in your name, your email address, and uh, your country. So, you know, we're able to kind of organize you to see where you're at. Yep. And that, that's what we call that's what it costs. Now, the way that we use kickoff labs was this. After people join, they uh, that's that's when like kickoff labs comes in and there's like this little video from there. And I'm like, hey, we're super excited. Can't wait for you to join us on Thursday, but I need to show you something. And I like go into like the back of our warehouse and I pull out a t-shirt. I'm like, this is a t-shirt, and I want your family to get one. And the way that you get it is pretty quick. There's a link right below me. Copy that link and share it with anyone else who has a kid between five and 12 years old who you think might benefit from it. And if 15 of them sign up, we're going to send you this t-shirt as a free gift. Mm-hmm. And if 15 don't sign up and three do, then we'll send you a coloring book that you'll be able to download. Yep. So that's what we did. And what I'll tell you is today we have a very large email list. Yep. And when I say large, I mean like it is massive. And what I would tell you is that Kickoff Labs has played a very key role in the development of it through what seems so freaking simple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we have a, a couple of other like use cases that we have used it and want to use it. Um, but it was essentially that. And that's, that's what we use Kickoff Labs for. And, and your campaign, I mean, just looking at like Kickoff Labs campaign, the one you just described, I can see it. The kids hookbah? Chutzpah, um, yeah. The kids' chutzpah. I'm sorry for just completely messing up all oh. of the names. I can see it is exactly as you described. Like, it, there's there's the page. Uh, it says, "Hey, like, you've got the email to join. 
and you've got like a big picture of you uh, with the thank you video, which I won't play because I think you probably just uh, did the video yourself in person. And then, hey everybody, welcome! <laughs> oh, look at this T-shirt. Whoa! <laughs> I'm kidding. Exactly. And you don't have a lot of long form copy. It's just like, hey, like you know, you can get a coloring book if you get three kids, uh, three other yeah. three other families signed up, and you get fifteen. You get the you get the T-shirt. People ask all the time, like how, uh, like how many coloring books did you give out? If you have any idea, like what percentage of people were earning the coloring books? Dude, I don't know because the coloring books. So one of the things that Kickoff Labs has is like an automated email, right? Um, yep. And so the I don't know how many of those automated emails went out, but I imagine a lot. This was a downloadable coloring book, right? So it wasn't something that we actually had to ship out. Electronic gifts, good idea. Don't cost you much, right? I mean, yep. you got to develop it, but then you don't have to ship it. Shipping is expensive. Yeah. The t-shirts, um, man, I don't know the answer to that question, but what I will tell you is, especially given the fact that we've been working internationally, maybe not the best idea, right? Because um, mm-hmm. international shipping, exceedingly expensive, number one. And then number two is also having to deal with sizes, very difficult with respect to inventory. Yep. So, you know, I don't know if that's something that we're going to do too much longer. I mean, March is when we started doing things more internationally, but we're kind of learning that that's, um, and it's funny because like the international folks, they're like, t-shirt? I'm going to send this to everybody. Like, you know, like, so like, <laughs> they, they really enjoy it, right? Yeah. So, um, so it, it <laughs> maybe it's been a little bit too successful in some of these places. So, yeah. No, that's uh, that's cool. Any other tips for running um, uh, a Kickoff Labs style campaign and, and giveaways that you guys have done? I would say that uh, like anything else in your funnel, it requires iteration and it's something to, you know, take a look at. You have to understand that like our business is one where we have existing tools and it's kind of like, We've been at it now for eight years and, you know, we use a lot of tools. I mean, we use Shopify, for example, we use Drip for email, uh, CRM marketing, like, you know, so on and so forth. And so I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but again, I'm just being honest. So full disclaimer, I mean, we've used lead pages for a very long Mm -hmm. time with respect to lead page development. So we use lead pages for our primary lead page. And then what we do is we integrate lead pages with Kickoff Labs, which is great. I really do like lead pages because I feel like it is a very powerful lead page development tool. Very simple, very easy to use. They've got a lot of really great templates. And so the only challenge for me, and again, I don't know if the listeners here are people who are currently using Kickoff Labs, but are considering it. I mean, if you're considering it, like do use it. It's, it's a very good tool. The only part that required a little bit of help, and this was when I first started using Kickoff Labs, probably two or three years ago, that was integrating um, uh, lead pages, kickoff labs, and then drip. Drip is, you know, where we house all of our emails. And I think it has, uh, you know, we were just in there uh, tinkering with it uh, this week. And uh, I think that there's actually been a lot of improvements made. So it's much easier uh, than I feel like maybe it was three years ago, or maybe I was just so novice at the time that um, I felt like it was very difficult. But um, I did, and Josh, that's when I initially met you, man, um, because uh, you were very quick to respond. I, <laughs> I don't know if this is something I should broadcast or not. I don't know if you guys provide the same level of service now, uh, but back then, like, I literally gave you, I don't know if you remember this, but I do because it was a big deal for me. I gave you the login to my Shopify store and I actually gave you the login to my Drip account and I gave you the login to my lead pages. And I was like, dude, I don't know what's going on. Please help me figure this out. And I was like, I just gave this guy like the keys to the machine and uh, and you helped me out. Um, I, mean, I remember, I do remember the email where you said, uh, the store is live. Please don't take down our store or something like that effect. <laughs> like when you gave me the Shopify login. Yeah. I was like, okay, don't worry. I will, uh, I will, you can trust me. I will not take down the store. Yeah, man, I really appreciate that. And that was a great service. And I'll tell you something else, just for the listeners, that was kind of funny. Um, not funny at the time, but but it just showcases, I think, the responsiveness of the Kickoff Labs team and why I felt like, hey, man, I need to take an hour out of my day to say, like, let's talk and, and let's try to, like, do something to help help the good cause here at Kickoff Labs. But, you know, we publish children's books. And one of the problems we've had was with piracy. 
piracy is actually a real thing. We've had to combat it. Um, you know, people take photos of the books and, you know, create PDFs and, you know, yeah. you know, it happens. So about two months ago, one of our customers sent us a message on Instagram. She's like, Hey, I mean, did you see this? And I was like, no, what is it? And she's like, take a look. And I go, and it's a company that's saying, Hey, opt in, share it with five friends. And we're going to send you a free newer kids book. Mm-hmm never heard of this company before. Now we have distributors, we have retailers, so on and so forth, but we've got a list of all of them. I was like, dude, I have never heard of this company before. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's interesting on this page, no terms and condition, no contact information. I'm like, dude, what is going on here? These guys, like, there's nothing here. Like, I was like, these guys are literally, they've pirated our content. They're giving it out for free. I like, I'm going berserk. I'm like, this is the second group that's pirating our content. Like, oh my goodness, we got to shut this down. I'm angry. I'm upset. So what do we do? Like we go to like the domain registrar and we're like, all right, you know, uh, you know, we let them know. And then I also saw that it was built with kickoff lab. So I sent Josh an email. I'm like, dude, Josh, this is bad. And actually, Josh, like, truthfully, I sent you a cease and desist for like $10 million or something like that. Yeah, I, I, was like, I was like, Josh, you need to do this right now. Otherwise, we're going to pursue charges. Josh is like, yo, 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 calm down, calm down. But within like five or 10 minutes, you're like, hey, buddy. Um, so we've just paused our account for now. And you really, really helped us out with it. Turned out, turned out the guy was actually a reseller. He changed his name. <laughs> so so it, it was no problem at all. Like nothing had run amok. He was completely fine. And, uh, you know, a couple of days later, things were okay. And, and I think, Josh, what you had done is you had actually like shared my kind of grievances with him to help, you know, create the, uh, create the dialogue. But um, I share that. I share that with everyone to say, uh, we like, look, man, at NorKids, we use a ton of tools. Yeah. Ton of tools. But this was a Saturday. And the fact that, number one, I actually had the ability to email you and like get a response like pretty quickly. Man, that's just a testament to uh, the type of product that you've created and the type of service that you're able to offer. So, man, kudos to you. And I, I, I of course, uh, I really do appreciate your work and your product. And um, full disclosure, Josh is giving me a 50% discount on my subscription. No, I'm kidding. Josh isn't giving me a subscription. No, he's not. Uh, although if you gave it to me, I wouldn't be angry about it. But, you know, you know it is what it is. But... Uh, no, we really. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how many downloads the podcast gets, and then we'll and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Fair enough, man. All right, so please download, share it with your friends. If you get three people to download, I'll send you a coloring book. You know, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, man. So, what other questions do you have for me? Um, it, I was just gonna say that the the uh, it's it's been interesting. The uh, like the I'm, I'm of course happy to help out like anytime like Saturdays like weekends because one of the reasons like I'm in this business is like, I really enjoy our customers. I like meeting uh, and working with people who are passionate about their business, who are starting kind of new things or trying to grow something or passionate about growing something. And so usually uh, most, you know, 99% of the people I meet through that are just like really good people. And so like, I just want to help out good people and, and do the best we can. And in that case, like, you know, it was pretty obvious when you sent it. I was like, yeah, that, that looks like all of their art. Like I've, you know, been on your campaigns before and I was like, that looks like all their stuff. I'm just going to pause their campaign and see, I think this is the right thing to do. But, you know, I try and put people, connect them and say like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. Um, crazy enough, we've had like, we actually have had two other cases recently, sort of similar. In one case, it was the same thing. It was a reseller. The person did not know that this person was on another uh, reseller list at their company. And then the other case, it actually was like, they completely stole like somebody's logo. They completely stole somebody's like business. The horrible thing about it is they were 10 times better at marketing than the original person. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no, man. Well, hopefully maybe they can hire them. I don't know, but it's interesting territory and it's above my pay grade because I know that especially a lot of people who do like fulfillment by Amazon, like there's some like funny things that happen because if you have like a supplier that's based like abroad, then like sometimes, you know, things can get taken. And, you know, I've I've heard of those types of stories and it's like, well, what do you do in that situation? But uh, regardless, man, I I think the, the headline here is around service. And I think 
uh, what I really appreciate is the level of service that you guys have provided with Kickoff Labs. And I think the great product. Now, I need to ask you a question. Yep. I'm on the Kickoff Labs product. And one of the things that I had actually inquired about a couple years ago was around an integration with Shopify. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about how this works. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you are not alone in people that now that we've grown and we've had, you know, people have started businesses, they're running a Shopify store now, and they want to do a similar campaign to what they're doing when they are growing just the email list. Um, But they want to reward not just giving an email, but like purchases. And so our goal is to figure out an easy way to say, like, we want to start tracking the purchases being made on Shopify and who refers those purchases via word of mouth. And so similar to how you set up the word of mouth, you know, growing an email campaign, we now can drop a script just like you guys uh, used our AnyForm script on your custom like lead pages. We can drop the same thing into Shopify and work with their checkout system so that when somebody checks out on Shopify, we know if there was a referral that you can reward with that. And so you can set up the same sort of reward levels that you had. And when you say reward, you can choose to say they get like five points of purchase, they get like 20 points. It's, you know, you could get it uh, you know, multiple times, or you could just simply say like for every dollar they're spending, they get a, they, they get that dollar value back in points that they have. And you can choose, you know, to use those points, to enter them in a giveaway, or you can choose to give those, uh, those points as like, you know, when they reach a certain level, they get something as a reward. And so that's, that's our Shopify integration in a nutshell is basically trying to reward uh, referral purchases. Um, and let, to- let me, can, can I ask you a follow-up question? Yeah. So, and this, you may not know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm curious. We are a subscription company. So we actually use something called recharge recurring billing, which is kind of like a added software on top mm-hmm. of Shopify. So what happens is, is when someone's actually buying our product, they're not buying it through the Shopify cart. Mm-hmm. They're actually buying it through the recharge cart. Now we have the ability to add script there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, would this potentially work in that use case also? Yeah, you just have to give me your recharge password. <laughs> no, like, um, <laughs> no, we uh, absolutely. So we have a we have a general way um, of tracking purchases as well, and a slightly different set of scripts that can be more specific than the general like Shopify. Try and make it easy. Just drop the script in Shopify if you're using the standard things. It just works. We've had a couple. We've helped a couple of people with recharge as well that are setting up, and they just want to give like, hey, like somebody who refers a subscription gets you know twenty points or something like that, and we can set that up through. Um, through recharge as well. Holy cannoli, dude, that's super powerful. Okay, let me ask you one final question okay. um, before we'll you know turn the table uh, to ask you about your founder's story. No, I'm kidding. So for the Shopify integration, which I think is super powerful, is there like, so after someone purchases, is there like a pop-up that comes up or is this, do we like, is the best practice to kind of like integrate this into like the thank you email or the receipt email or like, what's the best way to like integrate the kind of messaging, you know, with respect to Shopify? Yes and yes. There is a pop-up that we have that we can activate on optionally on checkout. So you basically like imagine like that thank you page you did with the video, but like a mini pop-up version of that coming up when somebody checks out and, you know, you just say, hey, great, congrats for buying the product. Like, there's just one more thing you could really help us out to do and we'll help you in return. Um, you can do that on, on a little pop-up. And we're also um, in development of a, just a general sort of more thinking about uh, our product is not, uh, my goal, because you mentioned you guys use lead pages, is not to be like the end-all be-all of like a landing page development yep. studio. In fact, yep. I think that's kind of a boring business. Yep. Um, frankly, like I'm more interested in like, how do we help people with growth and engagement? And so we're building a new set of widgets that are meant to be easier integrated into stores like Shopify and websites to run these giveaways and promotions sort of like encapsulated in a small box on the website. So you can activate them, turn them on and off at any time. Um, and the first one is, like I said, there's that checkout on Shopify that can do today, but we're also working on a more generalized stack of like, you want to run a giveaway, just drop this on your site. It's not a landing page. You could still use a landing page and link to more details if you wanted to, but in general, it's like what we do distilled down to its most basic element just within the widget on the site. Hey, man, that is so powerful. That is so powerful. And I'll tell you something. We have been using a software for a long time just for 
Shopify referrals that we actually mm-hmm. pay for on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to do that because I didn't know that Kickoff Labs had that potential. Um, and mm-hmm. so for me, I think this is not only going to help us build awareness about our work through referrals, but also it's going to save us money uh, because I don't think we're going to need that other piece of software anymore. Yeah, we'd, uh, we'd love to figure out if we, can, if we can help you out and if we're a good fit there. Um, so now I get to ask questions. My turn. All right. All right, man. Please go for it. I wrote this one down in the beginning, but you were in the be- I could tell you were going somewhere with the story. So I didn't want to ask it then because uh, I, I grew up a huge baseball fan as well. So who is your favorite player? My uh, favorite player is a guy named Kirby Puckett, who, I mean, back in the day, I I thought was a big deal, but um, apparently, you know, it's kind of similar to the whole like Michael Jackson situation. I don't think we can say his name anymore. So it's like, (laughs) no, I I remember Kirby Puckett and the twins were the couple of good seasons he had with the twins. He was, uh, he was amazing. I remember he, he was famous like for being really fast. And I remember he chopped a ball off home plate that popped up high enough that he beat it to first base. <laughs> the ball, it was like a ground ball to the pitcher, but he hit it and he chopped it off the plate and it was so high he was able to get to first. <laughs> Dude, Kirby Puckett was a legend. Legend. Yeah. And I mean, it's because of him and like back in the day, there was a guy named like Paul Molitor and Chuck Knobloch. And, yep. and, and Chuck uh, Knobloch grew up in my hometown in uh, Rehoboth, mm, Massachusetts. Really? Wow. Yeah. Small world. So <laughs> he's, he's got a little league field there. And uh, the joke is still that none of the little leaguers can throw to first. Oh, that's so funny. Well, <laughs> but the, the situation is, I mean, I, I, I'm more of a football guy now. Yeah. With, Unfortunately, is sad because, man, as much as I love the Minnesota Vikings, gosh, they are just shooting themselves in the foot over and over again this this season. Uh, so, quick, a couple other quick questions. Favorite place to go vacation? My favorite place to go on vacation. It's a very good question. Um, if I could go on vacation right now, I would want to just take a road trip with my wife and daughter through like Yellowstone National Park, probably. That's what I'd want to do right now. Uh, I think that's a a lot of everybody's mind. It's just the road trip concept. And I've been exploring parks as well. It's uh, it's something that's fun. Favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is... So there's a podcast that just started. It's called Jin. D-J-I-N-N. All right, Jin. So, all right. In Islam... We believe that there are like God created humans, but God also created this entity called the jinn, all right? And these are entities that actually live on earth, but like in a parallel kind of world, all right? And like Satan, for example, is actually a jinn, all right? Now, here's the thing like, this is a belief. No one really talks about it. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But everyone has stories. Like people have stories. They're like, Oh man, you know, I was in there and then there was a gin that came and like tickled me on my nose or like, you know, just something crazy. And it's kind of like ghost stories, but like, I feel like there's an element of truth to it because I have to, I like, I, I genuinely believe that I'm like, Oh wow, this is real. And so I have been listening to Jin, uh, this podcast. And for me, it's just so entertaining. I really like it. And again, it's false. You know, you're kind of getting ready for a spooky season. So I, mm-hmm. I like Jin. Um, and then the other podcasts, I mean, man, I listen to a lot of them, but I like the Shopify Ma- uh, Masters podcast. It's really approachable. So like how I built this is awesome. But I'm like, oh man, how I built this? Come on, man. They're like so big, you know? Yeah. But, with Shopify Masters, I really like it because I'm like, oh man, I could I could be like him, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm setting the bar a little bit lower, <laughs> which I shouldn't, but um, just very approachable. I mean, and you get you get some very concrete, specific things that you can work on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why I ask all the time, like people, like how you got your first hundred customers, because there's all these podcasts about how you go from like a thousand to ten thousand customers and all this advice for that, but like nobody, I feel like it's really missing. People don't talk about like how you have to like scratch and claw for the first hundred. And people have this assumption they can jump straight to A-B testing their way to hundred customers and it just doesn't work that way. So something that you learned in the last year. I mean, I, I would say probably there's two things. One is the power of saying no. I think saying no is very important because I believe the most scarce resource that we have is time. 
And when you are allocating your time towards something that like sounds good, um, and gosh, there's so many times when people send an email and they're like, Hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if we did this? I'm like, yeah, that would be great. Let's do it. But when you say yes, I mean, that, that siphons part of your time. And so saying no is just critically important. Um, I'd say that's number one. I think number two is the importance of uh, mental health and kind of like mental resilience. I think that there's a lot of people right now who are struggling. Um, I think that there's a lot of um, trauma in our world. I think that there's a lot of challenges that our country and in our world are facing. And I think it is abundantly clear that now more than ever, we have to invest into ourselves and our mentality. Um, you know, you're from Seattle. Uh, I really like a guy named Russell Wilson who talks a lot about mental strength and, uh, you know, being able to get back up after you fall down or being able to weather through a, a difficult challenge um, and have hope for a better day. And these are all things that require us to, you know, put our screens down, require us to put our podcast down. They require us to put our remote down and to sit in silence and to think and to reflect and to meditate. And I think uh, now more than ever, I feel like the world is kind of shaking us on our shoulders to say, look, man, if, if, if not now, then when? Exactly. I think that's a that's a great note uh, to go out on, and I want to thank you uh, very much for saying yes to coming onto the podcast and sharing your story with the listeners. Because I think you've got an amazing one. You are an amazing storyteller. The product is amazing. It fills a great need, and uh, clearly not just something you're passionate about, but a lot of people are passionate about and needed in the world, and it needs to exist. And so I'm thrilled that you guys have had so much success and I wish you um, the best success going forward. And I hope that we can help along the way. Hey man, that means a lot to me. And I genuinely want to share that um, I am very enthusiastic about Kickoff Labs and the product that they've created and the people behind it. And I really, really wish you the absolute best. And I I, I want you to continue to help a lot of people. And and I hope that you're able to also make a lot of money um, because I I think you've you've created something really great. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh, It's been a pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll talk again soon.